Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. I've just arrived in Sydney. The Austrian team, I think with uh, a few riders, maybe some junior riders, was on my flight. They were in economy with me, though. So how their legs will be feeling, I'm not so sure. Before I don't know if they're doing the TT on the weekend. That's what this podcast will be about. The time trial, men and women's elite time trials in this year's World Championships in Wollongong. And before we get into that, I'll mention our show partner, Zwift. We've mentioned the upcoming changes to Zwift, including the ability to race your segment personal bests, and there's never been a better time to start training indoors, particularly with the torrential rain that grieved me upon my return to Australia, albeit temporary return. Zwift have announced a new smart trainer too. The Zwift Hub will be on sale from October 3rd in just over two weeks. Zwift are breaking down the barriers by making this new trainer cheaper and easier to set up than any other trainer on the market, even coming pre-installed with your cassette of choice. To sign up for notifications for when Zwift Hub goes on sale or indeed to find out more about uh, Zwift or to get a free seven-day trial, you can go to Zwift.com through the link down below but anyway tt course it is the same for men and women 34 k's 310 meters elevation it has a few turns with some long straightaways as well including a 700 meter 6.7 percent climb they do twice um just kind of a mixed standard course not pancake flat not too technical it's on the coast doubles back so it's not out and back what do you make of it benji when I look at the parkour, I see a parkour of, well, 34 kilometers. What does that mean? It's shorter than last year. I think 43 was last year. I think the year before was shorter, was in uh, roughly the 31 kilometer area. And then the one before was Harrogate, that really long one, the 54 kilometer one, where we had an MQ Evenepoel's first appearance in the World Championships ITT, if my memory serves me right. But having all these World Championships, uh, I tend to look at the denevel meters like the altitude meters a bit to see how hard the parkour is and when i compare this one wollongong 2022 compared to the previous ones it's one with a notable amount of altitude meters roughly 325 altitude meters mainly that climb you mentioned the um climb of mount Anslet, that 700 meters climb and that does quite a bit for that but i also think that throughout the parkour itself throughout this 17 kilometer loop that we have twice we've got some roads that go a bit more up than you would expect when looking at the profile and i think it's kind of like remember when we had the world championships in leuven last year in the road race there were some roads in leuven that were like slightly uphill but on the profile they would be flat for example and i think that kind of will also influence this because with all these corners like I count like more than 20 proper bends in a 17 kilometer loop, so times two, which means 40 bends in 34 kilometers. That's one per, uh, a bit more than one per kilometer, which means that you don't have like these three kilometer stretches that 
a rider can push completely through. I think the last five kilometers has more of that, of these 70k loops where the riders can have more of a constant power output. But with all these corners, I do think that will affect the time trial quite a bit. You said not too technical. How do you see these corners play into that? Because I'd say it's not too technical, but it's also not completely not technical. Yeah, gotta remember this isn't, it's not Europe, so the roads are built a little bit differently, i.e. they fit two cars, not one, down <laughs> at a time. Um, so it is different. Now, that being said, like the Imola one, I don't remember them being too narrow either. I can't remember the Leuven one exactly. Um, but you're right, there's still a lot of corners. It, of course, depends. If, they, if it's raining, they slow down even more the average speed. Um, and who does this benefit in the men's race? Who does this benefit? Who does this hurt? The corners, we think, or I think, helps Welpenart. I think he corners better than Ghana, for example. Avonapol, mm, I think, on balance, prefers less corners and just the long straights as well. Uh, but then the hills, I think, I don't have the Denevel in front of me, but I do have the average speeds. In 2021, the Leuven TT was faster despite being 12Ks longer than the Imola TT. It was faster average by 2 kilometers an hour, 54.3 for Ghana. And that was only 6 seconds ahead of Waupana on that pancake flat course. And uh, that had some technical sections, but also long, long straights. In Imola, he was 26 seconds, I think, ahead of uh, Waupana on a hillier course with also a 6% 600-meter climb um, over less distance. So he beat Wout by much, much more on the Imola course. That being said, that's two years ago. Wout might have improved. Um, but even a poll we haven't seen on a hilly course at the World Champs since Harrogate. Is that right? He didn't do 2021 because of Giro crash? Or, yeah. Or, no, that's right. He didn't do 2020 because of Giro crash. I'm so confused by the years. <laughs> when Avonapol crashed, did he? When was World Champs in pandemic? Was it before or after Lombardia? Uh, it should be before Lombardia, right? Well, he I didn't do the World we'll Champs TT, so I'm going to say that I'm correct. Um, so <laughs> I don't know. Who do you think this benefits the most? What would Ghana have been looking for? I think Ghana would have preferred just a 60 kilometer flat straight line TT. I think this is. I, don't, I just don't think this is an extreme course in any direction. I think it's just like a standard course, just quite short for world champs. Yeah, I think so as well. It's a pretty average course based on the hills, pretty average course when it comes to the straight lines. I agree that, again, I would want more straight lines so that he can really get that constant power output right because I think that's a big advantage between Gana and, for example, other riders that try and benefit from acceleration out of corners and those riders that try to... Uh, benefit from the acceleration out of corners, those would benefit more on a parkour that is more cornery and so forth. So the initial part of this loop compared to the latter part of this loop. So I think we see the strengths of both play up in this loop. I It's, it's set in two directions, you know? Like, I think both is present, but I tend to lean towards a balanced parkour, mainly because of what you said when it comes to the width of the roads and so forth. Because if the road is wider then you can keep the speed in the corners as well. It's If a 90-degree corner is super sharp, like if it's 90-degree, that's what 
a 90 degree corner is, then if it's a one car wide road, then you need to take your corner properly and you need to make sure you lower your speed before the corner and so forth. If it's a, a two car wide road, then you can take that corner with a lot more speed because you've got more space to come out of the corner with. So I think that values a lot to this parkour and if every single road after each corner is wider, then they can go through these corners with higher speed, which means that it will likely be beneficial for riders that can also keep that constant power output out. So I might be leaning more towards the people that can put that constant power output out. But how about we talk through the riders that are actually planning to ride this versus some that won't be riding and see what do we think about their current form? What do we think about what they can do on this parkour, for example? And the first rider I would want to be talking about when it comes to the favorites is one that won last year, for example, Philippe Ogana. He's won the World Championships multiple times right now. He's one of those riders that I would consider the riders that want that constant power output, but he's proven already that even in prologues and so forth with a bit more corners, he can also get his uh, power output right. So where would you rate him on this parkour? Definitely knowing he hasn't had the best season so far. I think if Avonapol had done the Vuelta, I would have Avonapol as the favorite. But it has to matter and the market suggests that it does. Ghana, the slight favourite at 225, ahead of Avon Apollo in 250. Kung, 750. Uh, Pagacha, 750. Bissiger, 9. Uh, Hater, 15. And then it's the best of the rest. I would say you look at Ghana's prep. He's done Europeans, third there. Well, he came second to Kung there last year before winning Worlds. He then did Deutschland Tour, won the Prologue and kind of chilling and that was after oh yeah two three weeks after the tour de france where i must say he was quite disappointing and so that's the big question mark for me is i do wonder whether how much it matters and every second matters in world champs six seconds mattered last year how much benefit ghana has had from his ideal prep into races like the giro where he doesn't meet as stiff a competition. And then the Tour de France, he was found wanting in both time trials by a lot. And uh, But then he's had an ideal prep into Worlds again, it looks like. So that's just advantage him uh, over Avonapold. And Pagacha almost has had a better preparation than Avonapold, even if this might not have been, been his target. Kung did... His prep, sorry, just quickly, he did Tour de Doubs. He's done some French smaller races. He was second at European Conti, Continental Champs. Bissica won that. That was a 24K course. He beat Kung by a second, the poor guy. Uh, and he did the Tour as well, where he was way off the mark in both TTs. I don't know if he had a mechanical in either and didn't make the top 10. So I, I think Ghana has to be the favorite, Benji. But again, I think he, he looks... For some reason, he looks really beatable this year. And it might have been the same thing as before last year when he lost Eurochamps. Euro but to me, Ghana just seems a lot more beatable. And I think that is reflected in his price. Yeah, I think it's also reflected in his results this year. And that is also reflecting into what people expect from this race from a Ghana. But I also agree that he's one of the riders, if not the rider that I put on the top pedestal. Because I've also got a lot of question marks when it comes to other riders, you know. Now, Remco Evenepoel, you mentioned him, for example, 
he's one of the riders with a major question mark for me where I don't know what he's going to be like knowing he arrived, I think, on Wednesday in Australia after coming from La Vuelta a España last Sunday, winning that, 21 stages. That's a significant amount of stage in one go. And limited rest afterwards, limited preparation after that Vuelta towards these Australian championships, climatizing towards Australia and so forth. I also like, there's also the aspect, Pogacar, for example, did Quebec and Montreal. Evenepoel did the Vuelta. So I'm guessing that Evenepoel flew eastern direction to Australia, while Pogacar flew western direction to Australia. Do you think that has an effect? <laughs> well, it depends on your flight, got in. Uh, I had an evening flight yesterday from the Avenipole direction from Europe, and it, it's not been too bad. If you arrive in the morning, though, phew, you're in trouble for a few days. I don't know. I, d- I think the flight from Canada, yeah, the- theoretically shouldn't be as bad if you came in that direction. Pagacha. The question is, like, Avenipole is a better time trialist than Pagacha, but Pagacha should be fresher. Uh, Pagacha also, I would think, like Pagacha's not in Tour de France shape. I don't mean he's not in good shape. I, I mean, I don't know either of their weights, but if I was Pagacha, why would you be trying to get to like the lightest possible weight for a world championships where you need yeah. punch, where you need sprint for a TT that's nine meters elevation per kilometer, not 27 meters elevation per kilometer like Planche de Belfi. on the other hand, I don't, I don't know if you say maintained weight during the world, he'll be at like the, a pretty low weight. So how does that impact it as well? His TT in Leuven last year, I don't think he was the same weight as he is right now. So whether that hurts him on the flat, it didn't in the Vuelta. He smashed that. It's kind of hard. It's like horse handicapping in that like he wasn't against Kung. He was against yep. injured Roglic in the Vuelta TT, beat him by 45 seconds. How do you extrapolate that to an against a, a primed Ghana? I don't know. Weather, by the way, it's not Australian outrageously hot. In fact, it's been raining quite a bit. Um, so that's why I think the big dark horse for this TT and who I think will win if there is a single drop of rain, a single drop, I think Pagacha wins the World Champs TT because um, there's Ghana's, Ghana in the rain in the corners, he loses like three seconds per corner. And even a pole, I'm a bit cautious maybe, and his form. Pagacha is, you saw on the Tour de France opening prologue, just unreal. Uh, so I'm going with Pagacha if it's any moisture, and even a pole, I think, wins. Uh, otherwise, Ghana probably do the business now. What do you think? Well, before I go further, I want to I want to correct it. As my Flemish soul, I want to mention that it's technically not the Leuven IT last year. It's technically in Brugge. Just want to mention that so I don't have angry Flemish Sorry, people Brugge. in the comments section. But I do think when it comes to Pogacar, there's also the aspect of like, this man's also focusing on the road race afterwards. And you say when it comes to rain, yes, on paper, that would benefit a Pogacar. Will he consider the rain as something where he's like... I need to make sure I survive until the road race. No, I, think I think that won't he, have an I effect. I don't think he would. Agreed. I think that won't have an effect in this race. I think Pogacar is the kind of rider that would not consider that, that would not keep that in his mind, and that would go all out for the victory regardless of that rain being on the road. And I think we've seen that quite a few times in the past where in rainy races before a bigger goal, he would still go all out to try and win it. So in this sense, I would also see it that way. 
And when it comes to the parkour as well, like 34 kilometers, not the craziest and so forth. Are there riders that you think might surprise that we haven't mentioned yet? Like, for example, Stefan Bissiger, when it rains, I, I'm, I fear for his life, like based on the time trials we've seen from him this year. I think in that Paris-Nice time trial or something where he slid in the corner and then the Tour de France prologue Crashed where he twice, had right? trouble. Yeah, like, was that equipment related or was that Bissiger related? I mean, I don't know. You'd hope you know, they didn't have it at 100 PSI, but it didn't look good, <laughs> did it? In that Tour de France TT, just literally couldn't corner at any speed. I don't know. I Bissig is a hard one for me because, like, where's Grant Thomas? Is he here? Where Where are you, Grant Thomas? Why isn't he doing this? Like, good I know question. he probably he's probably like the shape he had the tour he, he's like i'm not carrying that for another couple of months um one thing on sorry the just one anecdote that is just one data point on the you know i said oh gonna be wow by more and Imola. i forgot to 2020 wow finished the tour de france literally four days before that like yeah. so that was a crazy year i mean still i don't know maybe last year it was close on the flat I also want to mention a rider that we haven't talked about too much, but I feel like he's a dark horse for at least the podium, and that's Ethan Hater. The only issue I have with him is that I don't know what his form is like after being in the Vuelta and stepping out just before the time trial when it comes to COVID. So the question is, did that impact him? I don't know. Did that impact him enough to set him off a few percentages when it comes to the time trial that comes up in the World Championships? I don't know, but a peak Hater I would put on the podium here. Is that too high for Hater, or do you think that's a, a valid prediction for Ethan Hater? Because his time trials in the past have been pretty damn significant, and I feel like he's the kind of rider that can both have the explosivity out of the corners a bit and both have the pure constant power output on straighter roads as well. I think that's right. Definitely a, a candidate for the podium. Uh, the Algarve TT that had Avonapol and Kung there, and he came third. So he might need a complete collapse from a Kung, and then he slips onto the podium because it's there's a few people missing. Roglic is not here after crashing in the Vuelta. I'm not sure if he would have done it plus the road race. Thomas, as I said, was missing. Thomas, Magic TT. Dumoulin retired. This was supposed to be his big target. Um, I think it might have suited him. And of course, Wout van Aert is not here, who would have been a co-favorite. I don't know where he would have fit in in the odds, but he wouldn't have been far from Avonapol and Ghana, probably the same. What do you make of that, Benji, um, given I think there is a week or so between the TT and the road race, uh, van Aert choosing to skip the, road, uh, skip the TT this year after a couple of seconds in a row? He's doing that to better his chances of winning the road race. And the question there is like, is it worth doing that? And I think it's a, a question that is annoying to answer because it's the results that will define whether it was a good decision or not. We know that he's had a few second places now in World Championships and he wants that golden medal, that rainbow jersey in the road race so significantly that he puts the time trial aside. A time trial where I'd argue he's co-favorite for if he goes for it. The and favorite, if not, I think. the favorite. Yeah, perhaps you're right. And... He's putting that aside to go to the road race in a better form, and I find that always risky. Other riders like a Pogacar is doing both the ITT and the road race. Is it such a danger to do that ITT 
a week before the road race? I don't know. I'm not his numbers guy. I don't know that, for example. But I will say that I find it very sad for the race to have a rider that is reportedly basically the favorite on paper for this time trial to skip it for the road race because I'd like the World Championships to be a battle between the best riders in the discipline. And seeing a rider skip the ITT for the road race sucks for me. And on the other end, I'm kind of like, yeah, like, if he loses the road race now, 100% he's going to get roasted for skipping the ITT. You know it. Like, it's, but what it's, if a, it's so wins, happening. Though? What if Avonapool wins the road race? Yeah, and the TT. It's <laughs> still going to be joked about that he skipped the ITT for the road race. Maybe. I mean, in terms of exposure, the road race world champ has to be worth, I reckon, seven times more than being TT mm-hmm. world champ in terms of exposure. Uh, maybe Alphalete doesn't get paid seven times what Ghana gets paid, but I think road <laughs> race world champ is significantly more exposure and a bigger deal um, than TT. That being said, it's still um, the rainbow bands in, as you said, Benji, you know, one of the important disciplines in the sport. I think he probably would have won on in dry conditions. He had the edge on Avonapol in terms of preparation. And I think Ganna is just just a little bit just a little bit less this year. And I'm talking 0.1% and wow, well, lost by six seconds last year. So I think it would have been close. I would have liked to have seen it. Um but it doesn't matter for Belgium because here's my picks. I think Avonapol still wins the TT um, <laughs> ahead of, I don't know, is Kung Gun technically? We haven't really mentioned Stefan Kung, um, but it's I guess it's hard to see him winning after the tour and not being yeah. Bissiger in the Euros. I, I'm going with Avonapol uh, narrowly over Ghana. I, I think well, it would have won. And if it rains, any rain, anything at all, I think uh, Teddy Fikacha wins. Teddy Pikachu, okay. I think um, there's definitely the chances there. Now, when it comes to my picks as a rider I haven't mentioned that I kind of feel like I must mention. It's a rider that has been doing notably better in time trials this year and is kind of like a far outsider for me for like a dark horse for a podium and it's Mulema. And it's so like, I don't know. He's done so significantly better compared to last year in time trials that it would not shock me that he like betters it by like, a 2% to get something out of this. On the other end, it's a, it's a notable step A, eh? getting 2% better to get that result going. His time trials at the Tour were good. Sixth in that 20th stage, for example, 40-kilometer time trial, quite hilly, just so, so helps him a bit. But I don't know, I feel like his time trials have gotten better, but a podium might be just above what he might achieve. I'll say perhaps fifth or something, fourth, Balcomolema. I think that's a possibility there. I think my podium is the following. You're going for Avonapool? Well, I'd love to see that. I think I'm going to go for... I think I'm going to go for Ganna. Uh, Ganna's the kind of rider that often before a big goal, he's got like a month of results where you're kind of like, oh, I don't think he's going to win. Because this time trial was not amazing, for example. He was kind of disappointing at the European Champs, for example. And... That leans me towards thinking that he's got his preparation right, that he's got everything right when it comes to his preparation for Wollongong and that he's going to extend his world championship reign another year. And I think he's the kind of rider that 
preps it so perfectly with the singular goal in mind. Obviously, it's not his only goal this year. Next year, I think his bonus though. Because <laughs> he, he doesn't, he's not a GC rider, and he, he, he monuments, he's not winning them either. So this is his big bonus. Yeah, exactly. Together with perhaps his personal goal of the hour record at some point, which I don't think he should overly focus on because he's probably gonna get that regardless. So when it comes to this ITT, I think Gana's gonna win. I think the second spot is gonna go towards Remco Evenepoel, and the third spot towards. Ethan Hater, and I might regret not putting Pogacar on the podium, but I'll make it up to him with our preview of the road race later on this week. So, for now, that's my podium for this ITT, and I think that's a, a pretty damn solid pick, I guess. I'm going Avenapol, uh, Kung, Pogacar. No Ganner on the podium. He's off the podium. Um, oh, yeah, something Ruthless. happens. Something happens. Who knows? Anyway, that's the men's ITT. Now, there's no uh, profile rehashing needing to be done for the women's ITT. It's exactly the same as the men's, the 34-kilometer course, with a couple of those uh, Dumfries Avenue lumps and some other lumps and bumps <laughs> along the way. It's an intermediate time check at 16 and a half. The uh, big contenders are, of course, Anamik Van Flirten, who is the favorite uh, ahead of Marlon Royce. Uh, Royce is firmed a little bit. Ellen Van Dyke is third favorite. They're all between 250, 275, and 325. So clear it would have been that's what the men's market would have looked like with Van Aert, Evan Paul, and Ghana. Uh, Brown is at nine. Faulkner at 15. Kopecky, 29. They're the only. They're the major candidates. I have to mention Kiesnerfer is actually the seventh favorite, 51, just because. She's you just got to respect Keith and offer at this point. You can't you can't put out too big a price. Um, so last year she actually wasn't the favorite for the uh, TT at all. She was uh, maybe even like third or fourth favorite. Um, but uh, Annemiek van Vluten put in a good performance. Oh no, sorry, this was in Imola, and then she came. Uh, third last year, and it was the big battle between the two the two big rulers, Van Dyke and Royster, who were 10 seconds away from each other, 50k an hour average, the only two riders to do it. Um, who do you like, Benji? Royster was in, I feel like she was in better form last year, like in the road as well, and how that impacts it. But then she's also been a domestique uh, for SD Works. Um, for a lot of this year, Van Vlerten just did the triple. How tight is she? I don't know. Um, what's your reading on who this suits? Because Van Vlerten, I wouldn't say, is the best handler. I think Van Dyke is probably the most proficient TT rider, if not if she doesn't have the most power. Very possible. I think one of the things we noted last year when it comes to the difference between Marlon Royce and Ella Van Dyke is also the distance of the parkour. And perhaps that's something we based on limited amount of data points, but I'd argue it's still valid from what I can tell so far. It's that the shorter the time trial, well, let's say a 20, 25 kilometer time trial for me leans more to a Marlon Royster than a Van Dijk. And the longer it goes afterwards, the more the benefit switches for me towards Van Dijk. And we've seen that in last year's parkour, where initially Royster was having the upper hand in the first part of the parkour and towards the second half, Van Dijk Poster and significantly build out a gap on Royster towards the end of the parkour. And I swear that happened in multiple time trials last year as well. So I've got a feeling that that has an impact here. But the question is, where does this parkour fit in that theory? And 
34 kilometers is the kind of parkour where for me it leans a bit more to the longer side compared to well previous time trials last year was a very long one as in like 43 in total i'd say that for me it is balanced between the two but slightly towards von Dijk when it comes to the length of this and when we take a look at for example the uh time trial we had in the european championships which was not too long ago actually we had a time trial that was i think it was 23-ish kilometers roughly 20 kilometers and that was a flatter parkour and Royster had, had the upper hand there six seconds on von Dijk. so that's the one where I'm like, it's short enough for a Royster to take the upper hand there, but the longer it will take, it might lean towards Van Dijk. So between those two, I might put it more in the Van Dijk camp compared to Marlon Royster this year when it comes to the parkour. First of all, when it comes to those two, do you agree that there's something in the length of the parkour indicating something for these two riders? Yeah, the Euros to Worlds results seems to indicate that, that as you go over 30Ks, it seems to benefit Van Dijk. Um, but then again, the margins between the two are so small that it's almost like yeah. who woke up and had a better sleep, <laughs> you know, these, these small things, they're so close between each other. Uh, I misspoke by the way about Van Vleuten. I meant 20, I meant 2018, a rolly course, uh, around Innsbruck where she beat Van Dyke by like 125, uh, in terms of the world champs. What's also relevant, which I forgot to talk about, um, was the Olympics uh, ITT, which I forgot was last year. That was 22Ks, but super hilly, 44K in our average. She smoked Royster uh, and Brown and co. I think I think it's Van Dyke, actually. Uh, Van Vleuten, she's going to be tired. I think road race is the main priority. I don't think she should be favorite. I think Van Dyke... This is her big target of the year. She's a domestique for a lot of the year. I think the average speed, it's not going to be 43 Ks an hour average. It's got to be like 46 plus, 47s. Um, and I think I think it's Van Dyke. I don't know why. It's more of a gut instinct thing. We don't see too many TTs, which Van Dyke has rightly complained about uh, in women's at Women's World Tour level. Uh, what do you, before we give our firm final picks, what do you make of the sort of the underdogs? Brown's at nine. That's actually shorter than I expected um, because, well, I Frank, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't really see a, a way for her to win this race because it would mean all three would above her would have to have a terrible day, or particularly Royce from Van Dyke. I think so as well. I think uh, what I'm leaning towards for her is that she's looking to fetch that third podium spot on a very good day, for example, if one of the other riders has a bit of a worse day. Because getting a podium spot, getting a medal in her own country, that would be a big thing, I would say, here in Wollongong in the ITT. I think that's kind of the goal she should set her mind to, because getting fourth or fifth, it's not really a goal, you know? <laughs> you might as well try for the medal. And it will not be easy to get that third spot, to be honest. Another chance is also Georgia Baker, same country, also Australian. She's also had pretty damn good TTs this year, but I swear that her Simak Ladies Tour ended with a DNF after a not-so-great time trial on Stage 5, so I'm a bit on the edge when it comes to Georgia Baker. I think beforehand she had great time trials in to the Swiss, for example, getting further over a 25-kilometer parkour in Vaduz, and I swear she had some good prologues as well throughout the year. Commonwealth Games got to a fourth, Brown won that, so a better performance by Brown there, but 
I do dare to say that Baker could be fighting for a, a top six, seven position when it comes to this race. Diana Marcus is also a name I want to mention because she's had damn good time trials already as well. I think she got second in the 17k time trial in Simarco Ladies Tour. That was behind the likes of Cordonago, who we won't see at this race because I recall her having COVID or something when it comes to a sickness in the last week, which got her out of the ITT and all is also now getting her out of the road race, which is really unfortunate to see. I think Marcus got third in the European Championships behind the likes of Royce Ren van Dijk. Not too far behind, half a minute. Gondrago was the one that finished four there. Kiesenhofer got fifth there, but for Kiesenhofer, I'm looking at A for seven for ninth as a position that she's likely to end up at on a parkour like this. Or there are other riders on the parkour where I'm like, oh, this rider could do well. Oh, I don't know, you know, I don't expect a Kopecky to be highly up there, for example. I'm also not looking at a Juliette Labou to be the best time trialist here on paper. I think we've named the names we've had, and a Kristen Faulkner is one I haven't mentioned. I swear that she was looking she so good at the start the of the season. Yeah, she was looking so good at the start of the season. I think she left the Vuelta after suffering for consecutive days of intensity. It was too much for her during La Vuelta. And she hopes that the one-day race of aspect COVID, of this yeah. time trial would help out. Yeah, she had COVID before uh, the Vuelta, and then she had trouble getting back into the race rhythm or something, if I recall, was the uh, was what I read up on that. So, I don't know. Preseason Faulkner, I would have said, yeah, podium candidate. Now, Faulkner, I'm like, I fear for a top five. I fear that's difficult with the form she has now. I think she would have, yeah, podiumed. I think she would have beaten Van Vluten. Um I'm not sure how AVV will go. She's on the giant setup and the the men's Bex team, the women's Bex team, I think swept a TT podium in Tour de Suisse. Um, and also Kern Farmer way overperformed because of their setup. So I think she's on a pretty rapid setup and AVV's on Mother setup, which I mean, it's I'm sure it's okay, but I don't think it's the best. And that's why slower speeds not only suit her, slower speed tts don't only suit van Vluten more because she has better watts per kilo than everybody but also because aerodynamics are relatively less important than at a 52k an hour average tt so i think i think van dyke takes it uh i don't really have any evidence for that just gut feeling she's yeah i just think she will um this is a big target for her Royce uh, can also win it I'm not convinced about AVV I'm not convinced Royce also did the Vuelta um which just finished the same time as the men's Vuelta so Van Dyke maybe a slight edge in preparation too so that's my pick I'm going Royce second and AVV third on one end, I would like to say Von Vleuten wins this time trial, for example, based on the fact that she goes on training before races like the Velta stage, for example, to get those extra kilometers in, get that extra work done. But I'm also leaning towards Von Dijk when I see this parkour. I think Alan Von Dijk wins another World Championships ITT. I think Von Vleuten is going to be second and Royzer third. I might regret that, switcheroo. I think yours is more likely to come true, but I'm living on the edge today, so I feel like putting Von Vleuten on the second spot and Royster on the first spot. So that's my podium. I basically low-key agree with you. And um, Never I, nice to see. 
<laughs> yeah, hate, I don't like your ring with, with this guy. <laughs> hate to see it. <laughs> Rain, how that will affect things. I think that takes Van Vleuten out of it even more. Um, she will not want to risk the road race or crashing. I think that takes it her out of it even more. Um, so wait till see what happens with that. It's this weekend, and it'll be interesting to compare the sectionals between uh, or the time intermediate splits between. Um, I like doing it. I hope they're doing the same loop on U23 and Juniors TT, so we can compare. Um, it's always cool when you see a U23 rider did like their intermediate time split. It would have been fifth fastest in the elite race. You're like, ooh, watch out for that that rider. Uh, any last thoughts, Benji? Before uh, before we make before I go to sleep because I need to head down to Wollongong at some point very soon. Well, I think it's important to know that the race happening in Australia means that we as Europeans or I as a European will have to watch it in the middle of the night. I think it's women's races on on Sunday at like 1 a.m. until like 4.30 a.m. CSD. And I think 12.30 in the morning to 3.30 in the morning in like British time. That's roughly what I expect it to be. While the men's elite race is, uh, uh, the men's elite time trial is like five hours later from like 5.40 a.m. To 9 a.m. in uh, Central European time, so we're looking at we're looking at rough nights here. But it's it's a Welcome switch from the past. Welcome to my 2020. Well, yeah. yeah, it's so like I actually got almost PTSD. A little bit of story time, why not for everybody? <laughs> like I'm back in back in Balmain where we did um, the pandemic podcast when it had three oh. grand tours in three months, and we did that. Um, and then, yeah, that was probably the worst period of my life. Um, <laughs> and for my wife, I'm not, even, I'm not kidding. I was, yeah, for me and my wife, worst period of our lives, not just because of the podcast and just being back and also feeling how, like, I went to the coffee shop that I went to. I haven't been there for 18 months. I haven't been back to Australia. And when they're like, they're like holy shit, you're completely different. Like, I haven't lost that much weight, <laughs> um, a little bit decent amount but they're like you just don't look fucked <laughs> i just walk in there i wake up at i wake up at 1 p.m walk in there every day and be like hello <laughs> like you need, you need help um but anyway that was a long story i'm uh, happy to be back and i'll be back in i'm going back to europe in like a month um for the route reveals the giro is doing it normally i think they're actually getting the scoop on the tour they're doing it before the tour and they're doing it on one Ooh. day not not well they do it last year <laughs> 28 <laughs> days or something it's like yeah, but seven days of christmas <laughs> they did it in the way that they did like the sprint stages on day one which so is like fun. stage four oh, it wasn't stage chronological. <laughs> oh, Dude, genius. the person who's like you know how we're gonna get we get more engagement <laughs> well 5x engagement and actually what they did was they divided the engagement by 50x then <laughs> after the first time i was like this is just silly i'll just wait till they're all up um anyway if you're going down to wollongong uh let us know the atmosphere when you're there i won't be there on race day um, but yeah, let us know what it's like or any preparations that are going on. Um, and otherwise, we'll see you at the TT recaps this weekend. We'll also recap briefly the juniors and U23s in that potty too. Until then, ciao.